I'm Agnes Kurtzels. I'm Whitney Winter. And my name is Claire Horning. Welcome back to the Agnolledge Podcast. Welcome back to the Agnolledge Podcast. Today we will be having kind of a shorter podcast, but we will be giving an update about the John Deere protests that have been going on and we talked about uh, last week. And then we will be talking about other current events. So I think we'll get started uh, with the John Deere. Last week we had mentioned that uh, they had received a new proposal that would increase wages immediately by 10%. And then it would also boost their retirement wages, I think. Or not it wages, was like benefits. Benefits. Yes. Um, and then that Tuesday they were going to vote on it or the UAW was going to re- do a vote on it. Do a yeah. vote on it. And they actually rejected it. Which is interesting to me because that seemed like a really good deal mm-hmm. compared to what they had before. Um, but they say this article from US, USA Today says that Deere & Co. employees will remain on strike after United Auto Workers rejected the second contract after, offer. Excuse me. This vote was a lot closer than last one. Last time, The first offer that they received, they declined it 90% or mm-hmm. 90% of the workers declined it. And this time it was 55 to 45. So it was a lot closer. Almost half and half. Yeah. It just barely got denied by the UAW workers. Do you want to talk about what you were talking about earlier, like with what they're getting paid for picketing versus their earnings and kind of how that's impacting the situation? Because I thought that was kind of an interesting addition that you had. Yeah. So the article, like farther down, it says that the UAW is paying their members $275 a week while they picket, which is about $530 less than what the lowest wage member earns and about $925 less than what the highest paid worker gets. So they are taking a significant pay cut by picketing, which I don't know, I kind of found ironic. (laughs) But at the same time, I mean, they're fighting for something that they feel is right. So maybe it's worth it to them. I think the ends is just is going to justify the means. Right. Yeah. Especially this article says that there's still 10,000 over 10,000 workers still on strike. I don't know. I guess we'll have to see what their next offer is is going to be or if they are going to offer another deal or something because that's a lot of workers on strike. The Des Moines Register, which I'm reading, saying that the manufacturer may have to shift their production to overseas as the 10,100 employee strike is affecting plants like in Iowa, Illinois, and Kansas. So the president of the company, Worldwide Agriculture and Turf Division, Corey Reed told the register the executives are going to want to reach an agreement with the United Auto Workers UAW members to have this all wrapped up with the strikes because the strikes started back in October. I believe it was the 14th. So it's been nearly a month at this point. Yeah. And so the strikers that are protesting are about 13% of all Deere employees, including workers in plants in Brazil, China, France, Germany, India, and Mexico. So they may have to shift some of their operations to foreign factories to try to normalize Make up for the loss that's happening because of the strikes. Mm -hmm. But just a little bit more about 
the deal that they struck down, that offer would have offered a 10% pay raise across the board. So every employee would have automatically got a 10% raise. And then it would have enhanced the pension plan. Like Claire mentioned, a 25-year employee would get about $150 a month more in retirement than under the company's first offer. The agreement would have ended the pension plan for future uh, dear employees, but with the new proposal, it would have preserved the benefit. So the company would increase the lump sum, lump sum payments to retired workers, and a 25-year employee would have gotten $100,000 to $60,000 more than under the first contract. Mm-hmm. So do you know, do you have any idea, like, maybe what the UAW people are looking to get? Like, what is their kind of goal, I guess, in all of this? Like, do they have numbers or, like, specific conditions that they're trying to get or are they just trying to get you know what I mean because I feel like it's kind of hard to keep up momentum and like keep striking down Mm -hmm. stuff if you don't really know like what you want in negotiations that's kind of difficult to meet a goal if you don't have one yeah so it says that even if or this article from USA Today says that even if there was a third offer which is likely they doubt that they would even accept it because it like the company itself hasn't felt any pain from them being on strike because mm-hmm. it's only 13%. They're considering hiring other employees, right? I think that was in yeah. your article, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why they don't think it they don't think this offer was valid enough because that's that was the whole point that they were going on strike was because that co- the company had such a huge increase in profits. And the CEO they didn't get was, any of it. yeah, the CEO was making bank while the employees still had the same pay raises and everything. Which is totally fair, but also you're kind of on a thin line between them needing you and them being able to replace you mm-hmm. and outsource that labor to other places. Yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, you obviously don't want to happen because that would be really unfortunate, but also, like, you, you, you just have to find the balance between, like, what you're demanding and then losing everything that you've been working for and striking for. Right. And John Deere trains their workers really well. Like they they put them through different programs and then like every year they have, you know, they have certain training sessions that they have to go to. So it's not exactly like you're an inexpendable employee. Because they've put the time and effort into you. Right. To mold you to what's going to work in their system yeah and and you don't want to waste all that money and manpower that went into training yeah and especially if you've been at that company for 25 years years, they don't want to just you know be like see ya (laughs) because you have you're an asset yeah you're an asset you have um stake in the company and if they can't keep you then they're kind of sol i guess Mm -hmm. i think it's it's still going to be a really hard line especially if they're not even going to like consider the offer Mm -hmm. just because it's it doesn't hurt the company enough which is kind of a weird way to put it because it's like you're working for that company why would you want to hurt it hurt it yeah but seems like it would just backfire (laughs) it 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 seems like they're not considering the fact that they're raising the wage for everyone which means that's digging out of the profits it's not just 10 employees that are getting a raise Mm -hmm. so that adds up quickly especially if it's 10 Mm percent on someone that's already being paid 30 dollars an hour and then also with pension and stuff that adds up pretty quickly i can understand if it was like a smaller company but 
John Deere has a lot of employees, especially in the UAW. Yeah. Well, the not hurting the company, they are. They're hurting their own image with the public. Yeah. While, re- like, if they do have a third off- offer, which they probably will, not even accepting it or taking a look at it is going to hurt their image even more. Which I have a I have a hard I don't know feeling that it wouldn't pass because the second offer was fifty five to forty five. If they you know buffed it up a little bit, I think it would pass. It might still be like a slim margin, but I think it would because yeah, people you are just, just kind of kinda wonder. You just kind of wonder like what the communication is like between the two, like whether it's kind of civil or whether it's like very like tension filled. It would I think that would make a difference as well. How kind of accurate and open that communication channel is Mm -hmm. because I mean that's going to impact both sides of the issue is how they're communicating with each other and what different messages they're sending well how many people are in between too like exactly yeah is is it coming directly from the company to the employees is it going through through three three different people to get there is it going through three different HR groups and then it's getting kind of misconstrued somewhere in there yeah but yeah I wonder what the workforce is going to look like if they do, like, agree upon something eventually. What kind of conditions is going to be? Like, in other companies or in John Deere? No, in John Deere. Oh. Like, what kind of atmosphere and environment is it going to... You mean, like, like physically or, like, the way it, like, feels like the atmosphere? The atmosphere. Okay. I mean, if it works and they get a 10% raise for everybody, some people are going to be very happy. Yeah. But if if it doesn't work and it's like you turn down two offers and then they ignored you. Yeah. It's going to it's going to be very tension filled. There's going to be some rifts that have been created that are going to be difficult to undo. But I was wondering how it would change like other manufacturers cuz like Kellogg is already on strike. They have been for a lot longer than John Deere. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think they're necessary. I mean, they are picketing for pay raises and stuff, but it's also work conditions where John Deere is more just pay raises and benefits and benefits yeah. mm-hmm. more of the financial side of things rather than the physical, physical yeah. work environment going off John Deere or tractors. I guess I have a- another article from agweb.com and it's titled California company says the future of tractors is in electric, which I thought was very interesting. Uh, a lot of stuff is going electric right now. There's so many cars. Like California had already, I think they swore by 2050, they would try and get all gas engines off the market. Like you could still own them, but they wouldn't be selling them in California anymore. I could be wrong though. Don't quote me no, on that. I feel like I heard that somewhere too. Okay. But again, it might just be a thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. In this article, it was from November 8th. So yesterday for us, but it says Manny Iyer, who is a, he, he joined S-O-L-E-C-T-R-A-C, Solktrack, Solktrack as CEO, CEO in the middle of 2021, and he spent nearly 30 years in the ag machinery market, including nine years as president and CEO of Manhindra, North America. Solatrack is a California-based company focused on battery-powered tractors, specifically on the 70 horsepower and below market. So, like, smaller tractors, Yeah, obviously. It's Which not... would make more sense for being electric. Yeah, that was my thing. I'm like, I don't see them being powerful enough to, like, Get take the job over. Get done. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> to like take over though. Yeah. Um, like especially in the Midwest. Midwest, I do not see that happening until a lot, lot longer than in the near future. Um, just because we have such big equipment. Not that I know what California's equipment necessarily looks like, but they have a lot of vineyards and stuff, so they usually have smaller tractors. I can see it being more productive in like that setting, mm-hmm. but it says that it, it would be a lot quieter, which obviously electric, electric is a lot more quiet than diesel. The 75 horsepower electric motor would be the equivalent of a diesel with only 65 decibels. Mm. That's almost, I don't know if being quiet is necessarily a good thing, though. So, like, you can't really, like, hear it coming either. That's true. Like, that would be my one reservation for it being quiet is it could sneak up on you and something bad could happen as a result of that. That's fair. Especially if, yeah. um, especially with equipment, um, like, on highways and stuff, which in California, you know, on the smaller highways, if you don't hear the tractor over the hill and you can't see it, and you pop over that hill, you're going to destroy that tractor. Because, like, even when, like, I go on walks at my house, it's obviously gravel roads, and it's very hilly. So, like, I'll have headphones in, but I'll have one out so I can, like, listen for cars. Yeah. Because I don't want them to pop over the hill going 70, and I'm in the middle of the road. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I feel like that would be the one thing that I would worry about. Yeah, I can definitely see that side, but I can also appreciate it being quieter because it does so much damage to someone's ears that's fair yeah and like people don't even realize it it's like you're basically standing in front of a speaker that's you know front center at a concert for hours and hours every single day yeah and it's like i don't think people realize how damaging it is to their hearing well they don't notice it at first but i think it's like anything over either 30 or 50 decibels for like 30 minutes causes permanent hearing loss. So just like with cars, high impact machinery, construction stuff, um, anything like that, people don't notice it until it's too late because they've noticed the permanent hearing loss. Wow. Uh, sorry, I just read the prices of the solar track tractors are expected to be 15 to 20% more than diesel models. Oh my word. <laughs> Which diesel model tractors that are new on the market are so expensive right now. Okay, but then the other thing with that is you have to plug electric in. So would you That's have true. to like install a system to do that? Or how do you install like plugins for electric vehicles? I don't know how that well, works. Well, if we're thinking like machinery, I think you'd have to have like a personal one at like that's, whatever. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You'd yeah. have to install it wherever yeah. you're going to park it. But and how much is it to, like, install that stuff, and what's that process look like? Probably pretty expensive. You wouldn't be able to, like, easily go different places if they don't have already, like, a setup. Yeah. Like, electrical cars, are, yes, there's points in, like, gas stations where you can plug in your car. And, like, fill it up. Well, I can. Well, if it's similar to a car, you can just use like a regular port, like a regular electronic, not electronic, sorry, electric, like an outlet? Outlet that's in your garage. So it's that there's already a higher voltage going to that outlet, but it would take a lot longer. But you can have like those special ones like installed that have, I don't even know how many, like how much current it puts through at a time. Yeah. But. It says, Would that, like, hurt your electric bill, too, though? Oh, yeah, because you're having to pay the electricity. Yeah. But you're not having to pay diesel. 
So it's like a give or take, especially with diesel right now being pretty high. Well, especially if it's just California, their diesel, my dad and my sister are going out there this week because they're picking up antique tractors and some of the guys that my dad knows working or living in California said diesel in some spots are up to $10. So my dad and my sister are going out to California, so they bought a tank to put in the back of the truck because they're carrying, um, not carrying, they're pulling a gooseneck trailer. So they filled it up because of the prices. And then in some states, I think he listed like Nevada and California at least, have a limit of how much diesel you can buy per day. And I almost want to say it's like 40 gallons. Wow. Which is not a lot for how much a diesel truck pulling half a ton weight worth of equipment to go up through the like mountains of California. Is there like a shortage or is California just that expensive? Both. Okay. Since we've always, we've seen the rise in gas prices here in Nebraska very gently. California more so because they're on the coast and just California has always been higher. Well, they have more demand population yeah population and then just how many people are actually on the roads going through and also living there because of tourism Mm, yeah back to this thing though it says ayer says that the goal is to provide a return on the cost difference in less than two years and operators save money over time by not buying diesel and oil and then they can use their existing attachments i wonder what maintenance is going to be like with an electric if it's anything like the court case that's going on now with John Deere, I don't know if it's still going on or what. I haven't seen any updates, but the right to work on your own tractor. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to think of the word because I think there's a fancy word for it. But Oh, the right to repair. Not a fancy word. My bad. <laughs> repair. Uh, wow, that's a big one, Agnes. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you manage um, to spit that out? <laughs> I, I don't know, Claire. It was... Oh, man. Um But the right to repair with John Deere with all their electronic boards and stuff, whereas this is like an actual like everything in it is electronic. It's not just, you know, the fuel pump or Mm -hmm. something like that. So I imagine it's going to be a lot more expensive because you have to have specialized people doing that because you wouldn't just have a random mechanic working on your electric. Well, because a lot of a lot of like electric is I I would think electric is new enough that a lot of not necessarily a lot of but I'm sure some mechanics have never worked with those types of vehicles, let alone tractors and equipment. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like it's new enough that you would have to train and relearn it. Well, not relearn it, but learn mm-hmm. it, period. Yeah. Well, and I can see where a quieter tractor would also be useful in like high stress environments like equestrian places. Like if you have a electronic tractor taking out manure instead of. Like uh, scaring horses or something, so you yeah. Don't spook everybody, yeah. Which I mean, it's still gonna like spook them, but it's not noise on top of it, yeah. Which I mean, it's not gonna be like a hundred percent silent either, yeah. but it's not going to be this that just, loud engine. You know what? Like the silent thing reminds me of. Yeah, have you ever seen that episode of The Office? When Andy and Dwight are fighting and Andy like sneaks up on Dwight with his Prius and like it's silent because it's under five miles per hour and then he like pins Dwight to like the big hedges with his car. That's what that reminds me of. (laughs) It's silent if he keeps it under five miles an hour. And it's his little Prius. Oh, so funny. (laughs) Governor Gavin Newsom said he had issued an executive order requiring sales of all new passenger vehicles 
to be zero emission by 2035 and additional measures to eliminate harmful emissions. Oh, that's um, a lot sooner than I thought. Who's is is that California? This is yeah, from Sa- Sacramento. Okay. And I so I was going to say that name sounds familiar. <laughs> Do you say 2025? 2035. 35. Yeah. And I so, thought you said 2025 and I was like, "Girl, that's like 4 years." <laughs> but that's still really close. Yeah. But I mean, really like recent technology advances have no, been that's true. extremely rapid. That's fair. But and I'm like, just thinking like Teslas cost-wise. and everything are electric now, so it's not like there's no Well, even I think Ford has electronics. electronics. Ford does yeah, have Ford does have electronic. a lot of electronics cuz my uncle has one truck even. Too. Ford does? Either Ford or Ram. I don't think Ford does. I don't know, but I don't think that Ford does. Cuz I know they have like electric focuses cuz that's what my uncle has. And they have like the flex fuel vehicles as well. I, flex fuel is more of like anything 2015 or 2016 and later. I thought it was 2005. 2005? Yeah. For, for a flex fuel? Yeah. Oh. No, but yeah, Ford has a 2022 I think 2005 was like the earliest truck. ones. I don't think so. You don't think so? I don't think so. I just... I think it's more of like a 2010s thing. Maybe. Probably. Flex fuels. I think they're 2010s. I don't have a 2010. I don't even have a 2005 car. I have a 2005. <laughs> I have a 2004. So I just mine's get either the 2000, gas. Mine's either 2005 or 2007. And I can never remember. Because I've had two Ford Focuses. Oh. And one of them is 2005 and one of them is 2007. And I can never remember which is which. <laughs> I have a 2004 Pontiac Grand Am. So actually, I went to... This is just a fun little side story for you. But I went to get gas at Pilger, and they have, like, the flex fuel option. So it's, like, the 35% ethanol and the, eight, like, 85. It's 75 yeah. or 85, 80% 85, ethanol. 85. Like 85. Yeah. So I, like, I was, like, oh, I've never seen that before. So I call my dad, and I'm, like, hey, dad, at the gas station, they had, like, these flex fuel options. I've never seen them before. He's, like, please, for the love of God, tell me you did not put that in your car. <laughs> and I was, like, no, 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 I didn't. Don't worry. <laughs> Like, I was like, I did the, I did the one I always do. I didn't put it in my car. I'm not that stupid, I swear. See, I always get frustrated because I'm like, I usually, like at our small town one, you have two gas nozzles and then you have three buttons. So it's easy to just hit the button you need. And then when I go to like a bigger gas station, it has like six buttons and I get overwhelmed. And I'm like, I don't know what one to click. See, I my go for the 10% ethanol. That's my, <laughs> I look for the little greeny. And if it says 10%, slamming it. <laughs> That's the one I need. <laughs> My truck's a 2015 Chevy, and it has a flex fuel option. And so flex fuel is like 30 cents cheaper yeah. than like normal, typically around 30 cents. And so I can put that in. I like have half a gas tank full, and I need to top it off. I can put flex fuel in it. Yeah. And it's so nice. And it's so cheap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They should have done this Good back stuff. in like 2000. Well, they were working on it, but it again I know. takes a while for things to develop. And then we we developed it and now we're moved on to electric. Yeah. So back to this article. It says the company has sold 50 tractors, 50 plus tractors. I'm starting not when. Very, that's, not, that's not very many. That's not very many. Since I'm when since when have they year. started it? Like back in January. If they went if they went on Shark Tank he they said would he, not be impressed. He said, <laughs> it says Iyer joined Soltrack as CEO in the middle of 2021. So I'm assuming Since 2021. Since he's been there? Yeah. yeah. 
And it says their sweet spot has three products, which is a 30 horsepower, 40, and 70 horsepower. Huh. And they mo- and most of those had been sold to applications for vineyards, specialty crops, and rural lifestyle. Excuse me. Rural, rural livestock. <laughs> rural lifestyle. A lifestyle. <laughs> Customers. So I can. So it's more like it. yard tractors than yeah. like tractor tractors, still, though. Maybe pulling like a small wagon or something. Yeah. The picture, that's, it's it's a nice mean. looking tractor. I don't know which one it is because it doesn't say in the caption, but it, it looks like an electronic or electric tractor. Uh, it's blue and black. Got those bruise colors. <laughs> it's a nice electric blue. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> 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 oh, I just realized that. I'm so good and I didn't even know it. <laughs> that was terrible. Okay. <laughs> was I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> do you think, do you guys think that battery powered tractors will be the future? Not in the near future, at least. I would say probably a good 30 years. I think we need to start with, like, skid steers. Yeah. Small implements. Obviously, they, like, they're starting small already. Yeah. Like, true. the lower it's, horsepower. It, so, they've true. already... I mean, we've, we're already at the small point. Yeah, right. we're at the small tractors, but, like, small implements also. Yeah. Well, because I, I don't see many people, like, especially in the Midwest, that has, you know, huge, huge uh, operations buying a small tractor like this. Mm-hmm. Um, There's just not a use for it. There's not a need not for really. it. Not um, really. Unless it's a smaller feedlot or something like that. But Or unless you're just like yeah. a person with a really big yard and like garden and stuff to take care of. Yeah. But you'd have to or like you have only some farm moolah like a in your pocket. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if you have but, a small operation like that in Nebraska, you're not going to have a bunch of money in your savings account. Yeah. Unless you... Unless you're living that mansion life and got some big inheritances, you know. <laughs> that or won the lottery. I, I agree with you. It, it could be the future, but it's going to be pretty far out. So my cousin, like, she, they got a car for her, right? And it was, like, a little sketch, you know, as you do with your first car, you know. But anyway, so they were trying to figure out what was wrong with it. And there was a lawn and garden battery in it. Oh, like not a goodness. car battery. It was like a lawn and garden battery. So like what you would put in like a big mower was basically in her vehicle. Oh, and it Lordy. was like so. That's one thing that's wrong with it. Is oh this my is gosh. not the correct battery. Could you imagine? Rough. <laughs> wow. Rough times. So I just found an article on Nebraska Farmer on FarmProgress.com, and it's um talking about how tar spot has been found in several nebraska counties i did not know what tar spot was um it's like a fungus and it's bad yes so it's um it's like little lesions that are basically on corn um and it's so if you see it it's like little kind of black spots with maybe like a outline like a fisheye kind of pattern um but it says Foliar fungicides have been effective at managing it during the growing season. So if you if you see this, probably ask a professional about it or figure out how to take care of it pretty quickly because it, it'll spread. So just something to be on the lookout for, I guess. Yeah. Um, 
does the article mention like how contagious it is or anything like that? Or does it pose any health risks? It says um, it was identified in Dakota, Thurston, and Burke counties, and it's moved into Nebraska from Iowa. It was first reported in the Midwest in 2015, and since then it's continued to spread through the Corn Belt. Um, it develops in the late season during cold, damp conditions in the fall, um, but it can cause yield loss of up to 25 to 30 percent in some fields. Uh, the extension of Purdue says that it is a wind-driven rain and storms can spread the spores or the pathogens to new plants and spread the disease. Uh, it doesn't really say how. So it is contagious. Contagious? I mean, fairly. I mean, probably kind of slow because it would depend on, like, the wind direction and everything else. Yeah. But, it, I mean, it's still spread well, from Iowa. and Well, especially when we have, you know, irrigation on almost every field now. That spreads it, too, because it can carry it with the wind and the water and everything yeah. else. and runoff. So, I would say fairly contagious. Yeah. But, but, yeah. Again, just something to be aware of on the lookout for, or something to learn if you're like me and had never heard of it before. So... Well, anyway, I think we're going to wrap up our podcast this week. Uh, I know it's a little short, but thanks for tuning in. Uh, Tune in next week. We'll be back next week with more Ag Knowledge. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Ag Knowledge. This podcast was created by Agnes Kurtzels, Claire Horning, and Whitney Winter as a part of Radio Production Workshop at Wayne State College. Tune in on Thursdays at 5 p.m. for more Ag Knowledge and listen to KWC 91.9 The Cat on the TuneIn app. Previous episodes can be found on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes are released on Fridays to these and other platforms. Music is Surf Day by Marcos H. Bolanos, found on freemusicarchives.org. The song was edited for the use of this podcast.